0: Here we are, Chris said Eric podcast, season two. Great conversations that we've had so far, great guests that we've had so far. We are back, though, on this episode to the original two. And I say original two specifically so that my friend Carmen knows immediately that she's not a part of this original two. I see what you're trying to do, Carmen. I see that you're trying to work yourself into our show and box me out. Not going to happen, my friend. Not going to happen the boys are back in town
1: Eric, I have a question for you. Okay Chris I'm ready for your question. How do you feel about church? What do you mean by the church that's okay okay
0: sorry that's that's um, I'm sorry leading the witness I should be more specific in light of what we've learned, and what we've experienced in the pandemic, this COVID-19 lockdowns, churches not being able to gather, that sort of thing. How do you feel about the church moving forward as opposed to what you saw the church being
1: prior to March 2020? I mean, I think that what we've seen in the past couple of years over COVID will fundamentally change the church. But I think part of that is, is not something new. I think what, if anything, what COVID has done is it has accelerated trends that we were seeing that existed long before COVID. And to be honest, and this might be the spicy take that we used to start this off with, is like, I actually think that COVID will be kind of a marker in a way of church as we knew it before in Canada, I'll say Canada for sure, will never be the same again. And I think, I think in some ways we're seeing the end of church as we know it.
0: So if we were gonna title this, this sounds like such a classic sermon. If I was gonna give a sermon a title, it would be it's the end of the church as we know it, and we maybe feel fine to kind of quote a great song by REM. Because I agree with you. I think that what we've known as church, and I think there's it's really important to distinguish there's there is the church, the people of God, <clears throat> the the collection of of believers. Uh, from a diverse um, perspective and background who all come along and come under this kingdom banner. That's the church. And then the idea of doing church, which we in evangelical Christendom, we kind of confuse with the church. We think that doing church, putting on services, putting on events is actually being the church is an extension of, but not. And I think that that part, is the end of the church as we know it, and we feel fine, me question mark, is how we operate and how we do church is never going to be the same again. But I also would say that the church, the people of God will never be the same. Because I mean, realistically, we weren't talking about race in churches in the same way that we, are, that we, we were in May of 2020. We, we just weren't doing it. We weren't having conversations about mental health across the board and having conversations about things like counseling openly and encouraging that we weren't having conversations about self-care to the same degree. Like we, like we are now. We weren't having conversations. When's the last time we had conversations about disability and -hmm. accessibility. We weren't doing these things, but all of these things came up over the course this year. And there's no way that the church, the people of God and how we do church, how we put on events and services can be the same in light of all of these things that have legitimately come up to the surface.
1: I think that's a big part of it and I think you know even if you zoom out a little bit and look at the bigger trends, right? I mean you look at all of the research data around who makes up the population in Canada, North America that that we live in and for the past 100 years you would you know consistently look and see that you know the majority of people who lived in Canada would identify as Christian They would not only culturally identify as that was what they grew up in, but they would also do some of the practices. They would go to church on Sunday. They would be part of a church community. That was something that they did. It was during my lifetime was when Ontario changed the laws that stores could be open on Sundays for the first time because culturally stores were closed on Sundays because that was the Sabbath. That's how we did that. And which is, I mean, seems crazy to think about now, you know, that there was a day that stores were closed because that was the day that people went to church. Like, you know, I mean, that's how much that's changed, but as that shifted less and less people now identify as Christian in our society and more and more people, Identify as what's called like the nuns. They don't have any spiritual affiliation. They don't or any any religious affiliation. They don't identify as Christian or Muslim or Buddhist or anything. Many of them might identify as spiritual people, but they they aren't tied to a religious organization. Which I mean ties into culturally, we see people more and more skeptical uh, skeptical of organized institutions, whether that's religion, politics, education, anything like that. But in this culture. Of, of people not having a church background. And now we're on onto the, the, probably the next generation of that where people growing up who would identify as not having a religious affiliation, um, they grew up in homes where their parents didn't make them go to church. They didn't have a church affiliation. They don't have any Christian background experience. They just know how it's perceived in the culture. And they know that for them, the church is being affiliated with residential schools, Mm-hmm. And being anti gay, and the church is, you know, is anti science. Um, that's how they think of when they think about Christian church. If the church model has been, well, what we do is primarily we gather together on Sunday mornings for a couple hours, and we get a bunch of people in a room, and we're going to sing some songs that nobody outside of Christian circles knows. And then a white dude is going to talk for about 40 minutes. Um, and I say this as a white dude who gets up on Sundays and often talks, hopefully not for forty minutes, but you know, mm-hmm. long enough. Um, then who's showing up to that? You know, like who who what what gen Z or millennial do, millennial do you know who's like, you know, I could when we can, I could go out for brunch on Sunday, or I could go to the anti-gay anti-indigenous people, anti-science organization and take part in their weekly ritual.
0: To add to that, the difficulty is, and you, you know this because th- those, are, those are very large blankets, anti-gay, anti-science, you know, like... Oh, I, th- th- those are total stereotypes.
1: That I'm right, just, like, uh, com- yeah.
0: huge blanket statements, right? You and I both know, because we've been in the, in, this, in, the, in the game for a while, that there are a lot of churches that aren't that. That are that are the the opposite of that, but what ends up happening is we often will will stereotype people to their worst. We will put will people we will put people or organizations under their 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 worst tendency, under their worst stereotype. So you're all like this. So you're never going to hear people say all churches are loving. You will more likely hear people say all churches are racist. All churches are anti-science. All churches are this, even even if they're not because it's easier to sling towards the negative than, than the positive. It's e- it's easier to kind of like defend that, that point. But the problem I see within the church and then how we do church is that we've learned that there are some churches that happen to be anti-science. We have learned that there are some churches that happen to openly be anti-gay. We have learned that there are some churches that have no problem not being categorized not categorize themselves as racist but having tendencies and backing things up that would encourage racist type behavior from people with, with regards to their views on on black lives matter on their views on immigration on their on their on their views on on stop Asian hate and all of these sort of things on their views on, if we go stateside, on their views on who gets to vote and who doesn't vote, who gets to be a part of our country, who doesn't, assimilation, all those sort of pieces. And at the forefront in a, in a lot of those conversations happen to be Christians. Mm-hmm. And that confuses the one, the, the Gen Z, the millennial, the ones who come after. It confuses them because they're like, I don't equate this Jesus that you're telling me about with all this stuff and you want me to be a part of it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And there, I don't know how, and we're gonna talk about this in our, our next episode about how, how do we deal with the fact that everybody around us has changed. But we're kind of talking about this from this, the, the, the bird's eye view before we start talking about it from, from, a, from a specific micro view. The church has changed. I would, I would argue to say that, like, we knew the church had changed as the leading up to an American election, which had no bearing in Canada. Mm. But we started seeing people talk about certain things as if it was happening in their own country here in Canada. And realizing, like, there's there's no way of kind of going back on those words, is there?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the church has changed. And our cultures change. Our culture is shifting more and more in the opposite direction of where our, of where churches are going. You know, if you if, you know if you're drawing the paths out, they're they're headed in opposite direction. And so churches, more and more, what I would observe is churches have more and more become clubs for the people who already subscribe to the beliefs and the practices of being a Christian, and they are less and less accessible and connected to the people who don't, to the nuns, the people who don't already believe what Christians believe. Um, And what you see is that, well, then, if you just keep extrapolating these trends into the future, well, there's gonna be more and more nuns and Christians, traditional Christians, Tend to be older. Again, you see more and more nuns in the, um, progressively younger generations. There's, you know, there's less Christians who are millennials, and there's less and there's less Gen Z who are Christians than there are millennials who are Christians. It goes all the way back up that way. And so you're like, well, over time, who is going to be continuing to attend these churches? Who is going to be continuing to identify as Christian in these ways? If everything keeps going the way it's going, eventually you're going to see that churches are just going to start closing. And you see this already with what we would call mainline denominations. Mm. We're part of more sort of evangelical movement, which has a little bit more life to it, a little bit more robust as tended to attract families. And so there's younger groups in there. But for churches that have been primarily made up of older congregants, many of them are closing because they can't afford to stay open. And COVID's just accelerating that too. And so you go, okay, if everything stays as it is, then the church, as we've run it, as it's happening, does not seem to be a sustainable thing. So something has to give, something has to change. And this episode so far could sound like really negative, us being like, well, it's done, over, too bad. Like, you know, we've come here to bury the church. Um, (laughs) But I actually go like, I think, I think, that that's good news. I think that like, hey, if we can get to the place where we recognize that what we, is happening in the church, that needs to end. It, it, it's going to end and we should probably make it end sooner. Then that actually creates some exciting possibilities of well, what could it mean to be a Jesus follower? What could it mean to be a Christian? What could it mean to be the church as in the people who follow Jesus without doing church the way we've always done it? And I go, oh, there's some exciting possibilities there. Well, it it requires
0: us being willing to admit that something's not working,
1: yeah. right? Like,
0: and so you you kind of saw this at the beginning of the pandemic, when everyone was everything was forced to stop. In person gatherings were forced to stop, and churches, mainline, uh, independent, Protestant, you name it, were. Trying to figure out, okay, so how do we, how do we put in all these things that we've been doing for years? How do we fit this into a, a, a phone in a face? And fit, do we Facebook? Love? How do we? Wh- how and trying to maneuver themselves into figuring out how to do something that had never been done before, and it, it required fresh ways of thinking. And the hope is that. If we're burying anything, maybe we're burying the maybe we're burying the old wineskin. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're burying the old the old wine and the old wineskin. Because we know that, you know, come on now, come on, come on the new wine, Hallelujah. If the if the new wine goes in the old wineskin, it's gonna it's gonna rip. So the new wine requires new wineskin. And if and if there's a new way of doing things, and if there's a new person out there who the old method does not Connect to the old method doesn't speak to. There's a younger generation who's kind of like, I don't even see the point in what you're doing. Like I I appreciate the whole getting together, but I'm 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 happy being spiritual. I'm happy just being where I am. Then it requires us to say, what was isn't working anymore. And being willing to do the hard work of researching and praying and figuring out, so how do we do this? now and you said it earlier there's a book for covid and after covid and i think what you're at least what i see when i go on social media when i go on different church websites just for fun um because that's what i do on my spare time is you see this battle between innovation and reestablishing the old the old guard saying like it's tried and true it's been tried and true forever and equating what they did before with the gospel never changes, so we shouldn't change either.
1: Well, we, we saw that with COVID, right? I mean, just even the move to online. You know, I mean, some people were very insistent that if you, the church could not gather together in person in a building on a Sunday, they weren't really being the church. And then you had some other people who were saying, actually, you know, the whole world, the internet got invented like two decades ago. Mm -hmm. and everything's moved online. And most of your church websites are still telling us about your Christmas production in 2017. So, you know, like, can you, can we, can we get with it a little bit and be like, actually, you and I don't go to a restaurant anymore without going online and looking at their menu and looking at photos of the place and like checking it out online. And and probably following them on Instagram and all sorts of things. Like you know, before we've ever actually set foot in the place, we have a great idea of what the community is like, what 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 their values are, what they're trying to do, and we're like, oh yeah, that that feels like something I would want to be a part of. And so we we engage with it online first, and and people are connecting in groups. Have been connecting groups online. I mean, talk to people in gaming communities. Talk to people who play Dungeons and Dragons talk to people who have big social media followings about the communities that they're able to create and and the connections that they're able to make with people. I was I, I was following an Instagram account yesterday where the person was like, "Hey, I want to do some good in the world and I'm going to put I, I have some money and send me something that you want to do." cool for a neighbor and i will send you money to do it and i was like okay and so i was like here here's an idea i have and literally like money showed up in my account that day and i'm like I've, now i have to go do that cool thing but i'm like this Dang, is what we're i, I, I want to get
0: i want to get my neighbor i want to get my neighbor a pair of jordan jordan yeah, jordan fours. Yeah. yeah but it's like size it's 11 like, specific carolina blue you really specific they want them but
1: but it's like if the church was trying to do something where it was like oh, we're going to distribute money to like our neighbors like that would take take like most churches I know, they take like six board meetings, and
0: <laughs> you know,
1: like, and, and a billion plans. It's like this person just did it because they had a donor and they did it online, and it's done, and they just PayPaled it to everybody. And like, why is this hard? Um, but I guess my point is, is that like there are completely different ways of doing the things that we're called to do as a church to love our neighbors well, to to um, bring hope and joy to the people around us, to to be to use a Jesus term, you know, salt and light in the world, you know, to to be good neighbors. And we've put a lot of energy into creating a Sunday morning production that happened in a physical space and it's like the world does not mostly happen in physical spaces. And but there was a lot of battle about this and I think there will continue to be. I mean, again, which churches are pushing to get back together as soon as possible now versus which ones are like and some of them we talked about in the last episode are like we're not even going to continue with a live stream because then, you know, people are just going to be lazy and they're not going to show up to in person. And it's like, to me, I'm not an advocate for, hey, we should go all digital. But I do think that like if our churches are not beginning to meet people where they're at and we don't recognize that places like online and different forms of gathering other than Sunday morning with a large group of people are are legitimate, valid ways of engaging as followers of Jesus or people who are even interested in do what it means to be a follower of Jesus, then I think there's a really limited lifespan of what we're trying to do,
0: and not not only not only that. There's the added piece of trying to hold on to something so tightly that that you kill it by holding on to it too tightly. If that makes any sense? Throughout this pandemic, people have still done things for their neighbors, apart from churches just people just being kind to their neighbors, people just going out of their way and being loving with people and being caring with people. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, various online communities that have sprung up creative, creative methods of communicating. I mean, how many podcasts we were one of them at started during, during the pandemic. So there's multiple ways of, of doing things. And let me say this too. to To the few pastor friends that we know of in different denominations um, in our province, different provinces in in Canada, you know, it's a difficult job that you have right now because you probably have different ideas in your mind about what you could do. And you have people in your, you have people on both sides saying we should go here or we should go back. And you're trying to figure these pieces out. And so what we're doing essentially is we're having that conversation that you're having internally out loud. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to kind of stress out over it. Like, so you're knowing like, okay, there's two people who have, who aren't going to get in trouble for saying what I'm thinking. Essentially. Um, The, 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 the worry I have is that we forget that when we're not the only people who care about neighbors. Yeah. That people, you know, some people actually just naturally care about their neighbors because they, they do, but that's supposed to be, we're supposed to lead out of that. We're not supposed to lead out of putting on a, an event, we're supposed to be leading out of love for Jesus and love for people and caring for people because of the love and care that Jesus shares and places upon, upon our lives. So to re- ha- remind ourselves of, of these pieces and then ask ourselves these questions like, does X, Y, and Z that we're doing on a Sunday morning, does it help us? Love our neighbor. Does it help us be in our community? Does it help us destroy the stereotypes that people have of of church? Remembering that in recent in recent studies, most families only go to church once to twice a month. Yeah. So you're putting on this entire this entire thing, and the people who you're wanting to come, they are not coming because they're busy going to the cottage, or their son or daughter has a sports a sporting event or they just don't want to go because they had a busy, busy week at work?
1: There's a couple of things there. I mean, first off, we would say like, you know, we need to do church on Sundays because that's how we disciple people in the way of Jesus. You know, that's how we teach them what Jesus taught and teach them how to live in the way of Jesus. But again, if most people are coming one to two Sundays a month, then what's having a bigger influence in their life? The t- one to two times a month that they go to church or, you know, their favorite podcaster, you know, Brene Brown or whoever, you know, that they're listening to every single week. And I love Brene. Like, I mean, whatever their favorite podcaster is, Seth Rogen or Joe Rogan, not Seth Rogen, Seth a <laughs> completely yeah. different thing, but Joe Rogan, you know, and people like this, it's like, these are the people that people are listening to all the time. That's like a daily part of their lives in the States. It's like Fox news. Like if this is on all the time, what are you being discipled by? Like the news that you watch every night, Tucker Carlson, or are you being discipled by more by, you know, the, pastor that you listen to for 25 minutes on Sunday morning twice a month? Well, no, right. obviously, like the thing that's a bigger part of your life. And so I think that's one thing where it's like, is Sunday morning actually doing what we say it's supposed to be doing? And I'm not sure it does. And then secondly, the other thing is, yeah, every person I've talked to in my community right now, in my church community right now, and I say, what is it that like you miss during COVID that, that we haven't been able to do? And nobody has said to me, you know what, I really miss getting together and listening to somebody teach for 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. I've had some people say we miss getting together and singing because I think there's an emotional connection that happens, a participation that happens when we do something together as a collective. I think there's really something there. But nobody said like, you know, the thing I really don't have a lot of right now is content. I really need more content.
0: Yeah, there's there's, there's a plethora of content right now, more than ever before.
1: Right. Well, I mean, again, the internet changed all that, right? It's like, back in the day, it was like, yeah, we go to church to hear the person who has an education in this talk about what they're an expert in, in their field. You know, they've went to a Bible college or seminary, and they have some training in this, because that was the only per- that was the person in town who knew the most about this. Now, you can listen to the best communicators in the world on any subject, including Christianity and spirituality there's more of them than you can do on YouTube and on, you know, on any podcast you can find. And so you're like, I don't need to go in person to do this. Everything that people are saying I miss is they're saying I miss being with people. I miss the opportunity to have conversation. I miss the opportunity to talk about my week and not have to set up a zoom call to talk to the people that I care about, to you know, about what's going on in my life. And I miss those conversations. I miss being able to pray together with people. I miss doing some spiritual practices together with people because I can feel really alone and isolated. I miss that support. I miss, I miss serving. I miss, I miss doing good in our community together. I miss that, but nobody's like, I miss the content. And yet you and I would, would have heard this before. I mean, the purpose of the church service was to gather people together to use an old phrase, you know, for the preaching of the word, that was the highlight of, that That was what we were trying to do, is, is if people weren't getting together to hear the preaching of the word, then what are we doing? And I'm like, people can hear the word preached anytime, anywhere now. I mean, on their walk, in their car ride, when they're riding their Peloton, whatever they're doing. And so then what are we, what are we gathering people together for? So I mean, I think actually, in some ways, our gatherings need to be about the things people would want that, that people that needs that people have both the people who are already in our communities and the people who are we would call spiritual curious who are outside our communities who are like i don't know if i need to hear somebody talk at me for 40 minutes but i would really love to be in a space where we could maybe do some spiritual practices that might be interesting to me or yeah at the very least i'd love to be in a space where like we share meals and we talk and we care for one another that feels interesting that that might that might meet a need i have i don't know
0: And, you know, we we both work at the same church, different different parishes, different sites, you know, to use more universal language. Parish is very kind of connected to where where we work. And we kind of see that on Sunday mornings, we have a live stream like every other church does. And we see that our the the weekly numbers for the for the viewership of the live stream jumps exponentially throughout the week because it's summertime now as we're recording this. And some people would rather sleep in, or would rather go for a walk, or would rather sit on their deck because they know that I can watch this on Monday, I can watch this on Tuesday, I can watch this on Wednesday, I can watch it on Thursday, I can watch I can watch last Sunday before I watch this Sunday. I can watch at any point in time, and I can watch fifty five other things the at whenever I want because I want to be together with people instead at that point. And I think that the 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 theme is the idea of together because it's only when we're together do we have a chance of kind of destroying the negative stereotypes that have been placed on the church is many of them to be fair many of them deserved
1: mm. right and i think i think i think it's the being together and for me the other part i think about a lot these days is embodied practice cuz i think about you know something like i mentioned music earlier like i think that's a big thing that people miss and I think it's a powerful thing about gathering together and, and singing together it feels a little bit countercultural, you know in culture we only really sing together at concerts or when we sing the national anthem um, and so you're like oh that's a unique experience but I think about within the church within the Christian tradition of things that maybe we've lost a little bit like you and I are part of an evangelical tradition where something like taking communion is not a regular practice but That's actually something that like, when you show up in a room and you do it together with other people, becomes an actually really powerful thing. Sometimes much more powerful in a way than, again, yeah, listening to somebody talk to you for 30 minutes. Again, I get that it's ironic that we're saying this as we're talking on a podcast for like 30 plus minutes now, but...
0: (laughs) It is what it is, dude.
1: It is what it is. The medium, I guess. But, you know, or even going back to our Pentecostal background that you and I both share, you know, the altar call, this time of actually physically getting up and doing, signifying something with your body of saying like, I'm going to participate in this. I'm going to respond to what's being said with my body in a way. And we're going to do that together as a community. But I'm there are so many more ways beyond that. I'm reading a book right now called The Power of Ritual, which is written by somebody who's not a Christian. But his basic thesis is that everybody is a spiritual person. That everybody, whether they're, they align themselves with a religious organization or not, is a spiritual person. And that, the great religious religion traditions of history Christianity uh, Islam, etc um, Judaism have common practices or rituals that meet needs that we all have innately as human beings, um, for example, the idea of Sabbath, the idea of taking a break, a rest that's something that we need to do as human beings and so he makes the case that that if we want to be fully human, that we need to create communities together that practice things like Sabbath separate from the religious institutions yeah. that, that are problematic around them. Now, I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, he's coming from it from a more, you know, from a non-Christian perspective. I would say, well, I think maybe we can keep some of the things that are part of the Christian tradition. I think Jesus is a really helpful guide in all of this into what it means to be human and what are the practices that we do. But yeah, I absolutely think that like, what if we're part of a community that helps us to practice Sabbath or helps us to be generous with our money or helps us to, um, you know, Jesus talks about not being anxious. What does it mean for us to not be anxious? How do we practice that as a community? What does it mean for us to be present in the moment, which is kind of prayer is, you know, being, you know, alone with ourselves and our thoughts and being aware of what is happening around us. Can we practice that together as a community, and if we embody that, oh, I think that all of a sudden that becomes that that actually becomes what the people who think church is anti-gay anti-indigenous, whatever all the all the stereotypes I have they go those are actually the things I'm looking for because I'm burning out working seven days a week from home yeah. and never being able to shut my computer off and never being able to get away from my email and oh, you actually have a practice and some teaching around. What it means that that my humanity is not attached to what i to what I do, now, how much I've reduced, but just inherent in who I am, and I can log off and I can still matter
0: so so for those of you who are listening to to this show for starters, you know by now that we don't have all the answers we don't have any answers really, but we are willing to wrestle with the questions we are willing to wrestle with the what this what this looks like and what this feels like we're both in in spaces where as a church organization and our parishes we're having these conversations ourselves. Well, what does where we use the term regathering for some of, some churches who have been gathering multiple times on and off throughout this pandemic, rega- you're, you're on, rega- you're on your fourth regathering, you're on Spart- Superman for the quest for, for peace, that sort of thing, a new hope, that sort of stuff. You're in your fourth go around. Whereas we're, we are going into our first one since March of last year and these are conversations that we're having. We're trying to figure this thing out with everybody else. So what you're you're hearing isn't two guys who have the answer. You're hearing two guys who are going we know what's going on around us. We know what we're walking into with our various people who have different feelings about what this means, about why we gather, about why gathering is important, about why the church should be the church and why church should be a certain way. And and hopefully what you're hearing is our internal conversations that we've had in group chats that we've had ourselves out loud that makes you feel a little bit safer a little bit more like at least there this is being thought of are we going to make mistakes as we're figuring this whole thing out you bet your bottom dollar we're gonna we're gonna screw this up somehow because that's just that's just what human beings do even with even with the best of intentions but hopefully what you hear is two people, two people who hopefully represent a whole grouping of people who are trying their best to listen to Jesus and listen to the people around them and, and lead as effectively as possible.
1: We're doing a good job here, identifying the problem and maybe saying, maybe this is a, it, it, maybe this is a direction that we could head that would be hopeful and helpful. And that's, that's where we're trying to lean into. Um, there's so much for us to learn along the way. And I, you know, we're going I know our plan here in Ottawa. I know your plan in Newmarket is to try some of these things, to experiment, to see what, how could church be different? How could church be better equipped to 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 help people where they are at today? I mean, we think back to the the earliest versions of church, and they didn't mean buildings; they meant in homes, and they mm. you know had did meals together. The church has taken on so many forms over the centuries. It's not. A loss if the church looks different. I do think that the church is always going to exist. There's always going to be people who follow Jesus because the Jesus, the message of Jesus is so compelling. It's so life-giving. I mean, it it it's um I can't imagine my life without it because it's I just find it so helpful to me. It's such a great um great rubric. And and that relationship that I have with Jesus is um so empowering for me. So I, I think there's always gonna be a place for that, but I think how we do church is gonna to have to change. And we're going to try some stuff. And I think my encouragement in this podcast would be wherever you're at, whatever church community you might find yourself in, assuming you have one is feel free to try stuff. It doesn't have to be the same going forward as it's been in the past. Um, There are different people that we need to be thinking about. Our neighbors are changing and Jesus calls us to love our neighbors. So that means we need to change the way that we go about connecting with our neighbors. And so I think, you know, we're gonna try some stuff, and maybe season four of the podcast will circle back and be like, "What did we learn?" As we were <laughs> bothered about what did and didn't work. But, but I think I th- the one thing I will say is if we're not if if we're not changing, if we're not trying different things, then we're then I think the church is in real real trouble.
0: Ooh, I got I got I got a line for it. If we're not trying, we're dying. Ooh. Ooh, as the kids would say, bars. This has been the Chris Two Cent Eric podcast.
1: Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to leave a five-star review. You can catch up with me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm at Eric for Slewis in all those spaces. And you can find me on all socials by simply searching the word that
0: Chris Chase, one word. You can also find me with my goon squad putting in work at the House of
1: Commons show on both YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Both Chris and I are regular contributors to the Meeting House blog. You can find the work that we do there at themeetinghouse.com slash blog. Special thanks goes out to CAT for providing the musical soundtrack for this podcast. You can hear more from CAT by finding them on Bandcamp or Metapop. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.